this is Stevie Rochelle from Tough and Metal Sludge, your favorite website. You are locked and loaded on the Music Mania podcast. Get ready for some screaming heavy metal! We rock! But the evil that men do lends on. We gonna bang your You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast, brought to you by CD Warehouse in Gladstone, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest, featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here's your host, Clint Schweitzer. Just when you thought the summer was over, the live music had come to an end, the good times had come to a screeching halt, not so fast. Here on the Music Mania Podcast, we are keeping it real, we are keeping it live, Right here on the Music Mania Podcast, huge guest coming up. We're going to be talking to none other than Aldo Nova. He is re-emerging after 30 years with his new album, 2.0, featuring re-recorded hits of seven of his classic songs and a new song, I'm a Survivor. comes out October 19th through Megaforce Records. We're going to be talking to Aldo about where he's been for the past 30 years, working as a producer with acts like Celine Dion, with whom he won a Grammy with, uh, John Bon Jovi, Clay Aiken, Faith Hill, so many more. Aldo Nova's a name you know from the early 80s. His first album was a huge smash hit. He toured with artists like Cheap Trick, like Holland Oates, Sammy Hagar. His song Fantasy is still here today in video games like Grand Theft Auto. He was a staple of early MTV. Uh, Aldo Nova is one of those names that you would always say, when you'd always talk about him, you would say, whatever happened to him? Whatever happened to Aldo Nova? Well, we're going to find out. We're going to talk to him about the last 30 years, what he's been up to, uh, his plans for the future, releasing this new album, first in 30 years. Is he going to tour live? Is this? Are you going to see Aldo Nova live for the first time in a long time? This is such a great interview for me, one I thought I would never, ever get. And here we are, the Montreal native, Aldo Nova, going to be talking to us about um, you know, what he's been up to what his future plans are, his comic book collection, which I've heard is over 75,000. He has a whole wing in his house, uh, you know, for these comic books. Uh, what a, what a just tremendous singer songwriter guitarist. I mean, this guy, uh, his, his producing work, he has four studios in his house. So obviously he's still been involved in the music industry, but in the background, he has described himself as a ghost for the past 30 years. We're going to find out why, what happened with that. Guys, it rolls along. The Music Mania podcast, you sure things have um, slowed down just a bit. Didn't have a show last week. I'm on the road filming a documentary all through the fall. I am literally on the road uh, pretty much 24 hours a day, it seems like. But when these kind of interviews come up, we are definitely going to get them and get them out to you guys because that's what this show's all about. You know, for us, it's... Um, such a pleasure to have you guys. Uh, always be uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes and YouTube. Either way you choose to take in the show, our, our website, musicmaniapodcast.com. All of our archive shows, over 100 now. Just a couple weeks ago, I think we hit the 100 show mark, which is incredible. We can't thank you enough, for guys. Uh, can't thank you guys enough for supporting this show and what we do because you know the songs on this show. You, you're going to hear the stories, and that's what we're about here, here getting these musicians on, talking about... Uh, what they've been up to, what they're doing, the past, the future, the present, all of it. So with that being said, before we get to our interview with the legendary Aldo Nova, 
I've got to tell you about our sponsor, CD Warehouse in Glidestone, Missouri. For over 22 years, a staple of the Northland. Guys, they buy, sell, and trade CDs, DVDs, vinyl, and more. Do not let the vibe of the old school record store fall by the wayside. Give them a call today. Go visit them uh, off Antioch Road in Gladstone, Missouri. For over 22 years, guys, CD Warehouse, a staple of the Northland. Although hey, it's oh, it's I'm great. Although it's so great to hear from you, man. How's everything going? It's just it's just great to hear from you. How are you, man? I'm very well, actually. Which, uh, where are you located? I'm in Kansas City, Missouri. So I don't know if you have much history or have ever been around here much. I'm sure you toured around a little bit in the in the, at least the early '80s, but. <laughs> What's the weather like uh, down there? Because uh, up here it's like really crappy now all of a sudden. I feel like I'm in Norway. It gets so dark so early. We had 100 degrees just about every day for the entire summer, and now we're finally getting our a fall. So it's kind of it's like 60 degrees, kind of perfect right now here. But we get all the seasons here in Missouri, although we get all of them. So we're fi- <laughs> finally getting a little bit of a fall here, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay. Well, I tell you what, this is just such an exciting time. Um, I guess first off, although it's funny because your name is one of those names that you hear so much when people say, whatever happened to Aldo Nova, right? You're one of those names that come up. Well, here you are. It's uh, 30 years since your last release, and uh, here on October 19th, Aldo Nova, you're back. Um, 2.0 is the album. It's coming up. First off, how did this start? Why why now? Let's kind of go into this whole situation and how this got underway. Well, how did it start? Well, first of all, the 27 years have been quite a long journey, and uh, let me tell you, it hasn't been boring, so there's quite a lot of stories to tell. And why now? It was because um, when I was 6 years old, in 2016, 2017, April 1st, uh, was the 35th anniversary of my album, and it was going to come up. And uh, so on November 13th, 2016, which was my birthday, I decided that I was just going to close, you know, turn the page on, you know, everything that was, uh, except the music, you know, all the business and all the haggles with all the record companies. And I was just going to, you know, turn the page. And then I realized that I, I had to write a new book completely. I had to just shut the book and write a completely new book. And so that night I got the idea, you know, because I knew that uh, normally on landmark days like 35 or things like that, what bands usually do is they just remaster, which is like re-EQ, and they change the artwork. And so I got a whiff of the fact that Sony, that's all they were going to do with my stuff because, you know, that's basically they just reprint and they make money and that's about it. They don't do anything. So I said, I told myself, I said, what can I do as an artist and what can I do for my fans that would really be special, that would commemorate a 35-year landmark, which is special for me because... That's uh, that's the date that put me on the map. So, uh, and that's the record that put me on the map. So what can I do special to celebrate this date? And I, I had the idea that night, I said, why don't I just start everything over from scratch? Keep the songs, keep the lyrics, keep the melody, keep the structure, except this, I changed the structure quite a bit in the songs, but make a whole new turbocharged you know, a, you know, a record that has, you know, Fantasy Ball and Chain, uh, It's Too Late, Heart to Heart, and all those songs. And I added one new song called I'm a Survivor. And um, so then I started with that. And what I did is I started with the first two hardest songs. I did, well, 
Let me see if I can do fantasy. And if I can do fantasy and get excited about it, I said, then I'll keep going. So then I started with fantasy, and the way I started was exactly the way I started when I was doing the first record. I put on a drum beat, and I put I played the chords, and I put down a rough vocal. And then I started building around it, and I just just jammed with myself. I literally was experimenting and then adding parts, and you know, you know, I would just like come up with a lick, and it was just. Uh, for lack of a better term, I mean, I was playing with myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, although you've been in the background, um, one quote that that uh, I read from you recently, and this is kind of sums up, uh, you know, what what it's like, what it's been like for you, because you've been involved in music so much in the in the last thirty years. A lot of people may not realize that, but you said that you were like a ghost. You said I would always be there in the background, but I was never there in the foreground. I let the artist do that, and that was the plan. So. Take us through that um, in, the, in the last 30 years, in the, in, in the 90s and 2000s. You worked with, you won a Grammy with, uh, uh, you know, working with Celine Dion, working with Bon Jovi, um, Clay Aiken. You've done so many things, but a lot of people don't realize what you were doing, what you're up to. You've, you're a producer. You have several studios in your home. Music is a huge part of your life. Talk about that in-between time, these last 30 years. Well... Well, what happened is the, the, the 1991 wasn't really my first disappearing act. My first disappearing act was in 1985. I mean, in the first two albums, I had complete control because the first album, I uh, my demos became my album, and except for a remix. Second album I did, Subject, was just completely off the wall. But, you know, to do a record like that, you have to have complete control. And since Subject didn't do as well as the first album because the company expected that type of reaction, they got involved and they started to make me do Switch, which was like other people's songs, co-writes, and um, so the, on, on Twitch there's only really one song that I did by myself, which was Rumors of You. The rest were all co-written and there's actually two songs which were actually not even mine whatsoever. And, you know, guys like the record company guys would go in when I was off and... Uh, and they would go in and do overdubs, and uh, and I'd come back, and there'd be all this stuff on it. So uh, I didn't consider it uh, an album over record per se, because my my records are me. I, you know, I have enough creativity in me that I don't have to do other people's material. But at that point, I realized that I, I would rather starve and keep my artistic integrity and go back home and. Uh, and just, you know, just not record anymore for Sony, which is what I did. I went back home and I started to work with a 13-year-old artist called Celine Dion on a French record because I speak French and Italian fluently. And then I started working with her doing commercials. And uh, with that, uh, she had a, I wrote a song for her called Have a Heart, and she got an English deal with that. And um, then in 19... Um, 89, uh, I started sending songs to bon, John Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, I, because I'd been writing all the time because I was like really frustrated. I mean, I couldn't make another record because Sony still had me under, under contract and I didn't want to record for them and I didn't, uh, you know, I wasn't, I, I couldn't sign with anybody else. So, uh, I, I still, uh, I've known John for like since 1982. So we were, yeah, we kept in touch, and I sent some songs, and um, 
he, he, uh, you know, he called me one day and he said, these songs are really good. Do you have any more? And I said, yes, I do. And in 1989, uh, Sony finally released me from my contract. And um, so we started on the project that would be like, uh, eventually we would become Blood on the Bricks because all the songs that I wrote during the time that I was off became, you know, except for one song, Blood on the Bricks, you know, it turned up on Blood on the Bricks. But um, before 1990, because my record, my demo sound like records because uh, uh, John called me up to his house in Jersey and said that I have a song that they asked me to do for a film. And it's called Place of Glory. So I went down there and we have a, there's a cassette recording of me with him. He's singing, I'm playing acoustic guitar. And then I, there's the lick that I come up with. And then um, I, I went home that Friday night and I had to deliver it by Monday morning. And Monday morning he got it, did the vocal. And the, the film company said, yeah, we want you to do the soundtrack. And after that, I went to um, Los Angeles and worked with like this great group of musicians. I mean, Kenny Aronoff on drums, Randy Jackson on bass, uh, before American Idol, way before American yeah. Idol. <laughs> he was a kick-ass bass player. I mean, he's badass. Uh, ben Montage on organ from the Heartbreakers. Uh, Little Richard came in and did a song. Uh, it was a Waddy Wuck Bell from, you know, it was like from all these things. Jeff Beck came in, so it was like, it was an exciting record for me. And then after that, uh, in 1991, I went in and we did uh, pretty much with the same crew, except for Beck, of course, and, uh, you know, Kenny Aronoff and Randy Jackson were on the record, my Blood on the Bricks, and uh, we produced it, and we did some of it here in Montreal, we did some of it in L.A., and uh, then I went on tour. I found a great band with, uh, uh, I discovered Phil X in, uh, in Mississauga, Ontario, and put him in the group. And Phil X was now like one of the best guitar players or most renowned guitar players on the planet. Uh, then we toured. And after that, um, I don't know, I just, I just went home, went home and took care of my family. You know, I had, uh, my son was like, uh, was born in 1980. 90, and so he was like one year old, so I decided to go home and, and do stuff that I was doing before, producing other acts. Uh, like I said, I, I speak French and Italian, so I started producing uh, French acts in France, and I toured with them, and uh, in 1995, I wrote three songs for an album for Celine called Falling Into You, and that sold, I think, 30 million albums, and it won me a Grammy for producer of the year, or one of the producers of the year. And then I just kept going. And uh, right now I wrote about 15 songs with Celine, uh, song for Faith Hill, uh, song for Clay Aiken, which became number one, and uh, and many, many more, you know, like I said, uh, artists from uh, in different countries, in different nations. I even did an album in Spanish with a group, famous group called L.A. So I haven't been idle, but the thing is, um, I am like a ghost. You will never see my name anywhere. I mean, even if you look at, uh, if you look at any, like if you look at any Wikipedia pages, I don't know why, but I'm not listed in the credits of anything. You know, even like, uh, even let's say Runaway, uh, which I was on, which, I, you know, from the very first note of John Bon Jovi's song, I'm on that, that track. But if you look at the song Runaway, it just gives the lineup of Roy Bitten, Frankie LaRocca, um, 
Yui McDonald, but my name's not there at all. So I sort of like, I'm there, but for some reason, I like, I, you know, I'm like a ghost. Nobody knows what I've been doing, you know? And um, so uh, people, uh, you know, I've been called a has-been, a one-hit wonder by people. And uh, funny thing, though, imagine if those people would call me a one-hit wonder here that I did fantasy 35 years later. They're going to go, man, this guy can only write one song in 35 <laughs> years. So that's pretty much what I've been doing. I've been, I've been really, really active. And, uh, and like I said, uh, from uh, I got the idea to do 2.0, and I'm really excited about it. And it's the first record that I, that I was excited enough about uh, that I said, okay, well, it's time for me, you know. And uh, I think that uh, I think that it's you know with the new arrangements and everything, it's, it doesn't deter from the songs because the songs are the same. And the arrangements and the, the I went for a more live feel on a 2.0. Like if you hear like a concert live and the arrangements are like that, but the songs are the same. Because when I went to rewrite the lyrics the other day and write them because I, they needed the lyrics, uh, the lyrics are 20 year old lyrics. They're not a, a, a lyrics of a guy my age. So I mean, this, the innocence is still there. Except it just meant like thirty five years of experience. <laughs> you know, it's funny because you know what you know, and I'm seeing of your career, knowing that uh, you know when you released Twitch, that you that there was a struggle with the record company. Control is a big thing for you, isn't it? To have to have control of your music and what you're doing, and, and maybe is that kind of what transitioned you in, on, into the producing side, where you where you do have that control and you you have control over the arrangements, and now that you have these studios and you record in your own home, like the control aspect is such a huge part for you. And that as a true singer, songwriter, guitarist, I mean, it makes sense that that's, that's, that's a big part of music. And you, that's all you really wanted was, was control over it. Well, I also wanted control over it. See, on this record, there's also, uh, you know, I learned a lot. I made a lot of mistakes and I trusted a lot of the wrong people. And I would be, uh, you know, there's life coaches that tell you what to do in life. Well, I could be the, per, the, the, the pinup for the life coaches of what not to do in the music business. Because, I mean, I'm the, the prime example of the, the artist that got bent over and that the tree trunk shoved up his butt. I mean, you know, literally, uh, whatever mistake that, or whatever, you know, the, I literally got taken advantage of. So on this album, I said, okay, wipe the slate clean. And, I mean, I own everything. I paid for everything. I did everything. I've got the best people on it. I've got Bob Ludwig. He's got the best. He's the best mastering engineer in the world. Who got involved in the project and really, really like uh, got into it. Who mastered the record? I've got some great, a great rhythm section that really like uh, when I push them, they push back hard. So uh, it was fun. This record was a ball, and but I, I paid for everything. The whole record belongs to me. I own absolutely everything, uh, which is wonderful, and that's uh, you know exactly as it should be. Now, um, I guess. Uh, uh, Obvious question to come from this too is um, live performances. Is, is is that something that you've thought about, uh, kind of reinvigorating that side of things? I mean, is that something that could be on the horizon? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean that's definitely. I mean, you know, the, first of all, I mean, I, I the, the only way to get exposure nowadays is to actually go play live. Yeah. Uh, I don't. You know, it's it's not the fact of getting exposure. It's the fact that I do want to play live. I mean, you know, I'm I'm in the best shape that I've been in my life. I mean, I I work hard, I, and I feel that the fans, you know, don't deserve to see a guy that's like, you know, 
fat and uh, you know, that she goes on stage in a walker, I can't say. You know, I, I work really hard. I work out, I get up in the morning, I practice guitar, I practice my vocals. I work out like, you know, for about three or four hours a day. I run, I, I mean, you know, I'm in like the best shape of my life. So I'm doing this. So when I come out, you know, it's like, I'll be like a beast. I'm not, I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to disappoint the fans. I want, I want them to have a great show. And when I play live, I don't want to just want to give them a show. I want to destroy them. So, I mean, that's my mindset. You know what I mean? And I want to, I want to really tour because, first of all, I've already picked out an amazing band with an amazing uh, girl drummer. And uh, it's just like going to be a band because when I tour, I let my band be a band. I don't, I like a band that looks like a band and not somebody who's out front with like a musicians in the back so I get personalities rather than just musicians so it's going to be very exciting you know well yeah and it's funny because you had just um, on your Facebook page I saw the other day a t-shirt from the tour you did in 1982 uh, with Sammy Hagar I mean going I had forgotten all about that that you, that you guys toured together talk about uh, those days I mean 1982 although Nova comes out um, you know you've got fantasy a staple on uh, as an early MTV video hit touring with Sammy Hagar just Go back to that. Talk about touring with Sammy, what that was like, how things kind of changed for you at that time. You know, coming from Montreal, and all of a sudden this album is is galactic, and you're on tour with a, a guy like Sammy. And you gave those, you gave him a run for your money on that tour as well, didn't you guys? Yeah, we did very well. We did well on all the tours. I mean, you know, I think that me and my band, I think you know, a lot of bands got to run for their money. I mean, you know, whether it was Cheap Trick and. Uh, whether it's uh, Sammy or whether it's... Do you know my first tour ever coming out of the box was Hall and Oates? Can you imagine that, Bill? Absolutely, <laughs> yes, exactly. You, you can. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine that it was like Hall and Oates was singing this girl and uh, and we were doing fantasy and rocking <laughs> out. But it, wor- it worked, you know, because I, I got exposed to a completely different audience and it worked out. And then after that, we started doing it and Sammy was great. He's just a great guy, and uh, like I said, we give him a run for the money every night. You know, it's like I had a great set. We were playing songs from uh, uh, the first album, and I had already written most of the songs for the subject album. And uh, I've just rediscovered the subject album now because I'm re- I'm rehearsing it for the live show, and it's like that record really rocks. I mean, you know, the first album's got a, like great material, but that subject album really, really rocks. It's got some great stuff. And then, you know, the Blood on the Bricks rocks, and uh, I mean, you know, it, it was great back then. It was just a completely different time. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, you know, it was different. It, it could have been like also, um, it, I don't know, you know, because back then there wasn't the social media. You know, and that's another thing I can't get used to is social media. Yeah. Uh, back then there was no social media. Back then, uh, you know, you had maybe one critic and they didn't like you, and that was it. Let's say Rolling Stone didn't like you, they wrote about it, and, you know, that's about it. If you didn't be Rolling Stone, you didn't know about it. You know, you had Cream, you had Circus, and that was my dream when I was a kid, to be on the cover of a Circus magazine. It, it's and, fun, yeah. Yeah, when we toured, uh, we gave them all the rest of the money, but we had fun. You know, the bands that we played with, uh, were really uh, generous with their time and with their ex- and with their experience and everything. So we learned a lot. It's funny you mentioned social media because I also think about uh, a tool like YouTube, which is so 
strange? Do you ever find that, uh, you know, whereas the recording industry has completely changed and in, in, in probably for the worse in a lot of ways uh, as far as a musician and their ability to, to, to make money from their music, but think about the exposure. I mean, I'm sure you've got to have stories about just people saying, you know, you're running into people, you know, even kids. Kids have access to this stuff. They'll, they'll, I I've know a lot of kids, in, you know, teenagers, they go and find old music. They, they've got to find, you know, they've got to find all the Nova songs. Do you have, Ever had that happen where someone's just, you know, you run into someone, they're like, I found this on YouTube, I found fantasy on YouTube, and that's kind of a cool way to, to have exposure. Oh, man, I, don't know what's, I don't know what's going on, let me tell you, like, the fantasy, the video, the first video, it went up two million views in the last year alone. Wow. Uh, I, I think it's, it's like, uh, it's like, there's a, you know, there's a, anyway, there's a whole new... The whole 80s and 90s are being rediscovered by a whole new generation. Yeah. Because they realize probably that the music today is like too fabricated. I mean, I love the 70s because, I, you know, it's like the bands are discovering like new bands. Uh, you know, I, when bands are discovering Led Zeppelin now or let's say uh, all those 70s bands like Free or Bad Company or things like that, uh, they were on my current playlist back when I was a kid. I mean, that's what you heard on the radio. And these guys are all going back now. So they're going back to, let's say, Alvin Nova and they see the video and they dig it. So actually, um, social media, the one thing that bothers me about it, and uh, I had to learn uh, because when I posted a, a video teaser for Fantasy um, 2.0, um, you know, there was really like, you know, the, the the people that, you know, the uh, the trolls and the haters that weren't allowed to, you know, they weren't around to, uh, before pre-internet. Once they got the internet, then they were like loose on the world. So these people just go out and destroy your, even if they've never heard you or nothing, they're just like going trolling and hating. So it's like, it's something to get used to after a while. You have to develop like a fixed a thick skin, you know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> it's true. It I is. Mean, you know, you get these guys, they, I mean, some of them are really nasty. I mean, you know, you know, it's like, uh, so I just went like, okay, it's like water off a duck. I mean, I don't care. You know, it's like, and I don't think it's really. Um, well, I got to ask you about the new song on the album, too. Um, it, it, it is called I'm a Survivor. It was initially written for uh, Lou Graham, as I understand it. Talk about the this new song and uh, the the idea of you know getting a new song on the album that's got to be a gratifying feeling uh, you know having a whole, whole new recording for your fans that's going to be a, a huge part of this thing well the song actually I think is going to be a, a, a huge song because it's like it's a song that it's autobiographical for me but it also relates to a lot of people a lot of people that are survivors uh, whether it be uh, you know cancer or that whether it be whatever there are fighters and but it tells the story more of myself that I even after 35 years I'm still here and I'm ready to fight and I'm a survivor and uh, when I wrote it for Lou in 2009 um, I just got asked to write a song so I wrote that but the, it was a completely different beast I mean it was all drum machines and electronic things like that and he hadn't done the vocal on it, and the lyrics were completely different, and there weren't all those breaks and uh, drum breaks and guitar breaks and guitar solos. And the song really rocks. I mean, you know, it's like, I think, I think that the fans will be really surprised when they hear this. I mean, it's like, it's really like a, a next step in evolution for me, and I think they're going to be really happy with this. But, you know, like I said, Survivor in, in 2009, he refused it. And then it just sat on a hard drive for a while, and my wife 
discovered it. She said, wow, this is a really great song. And um, so then I decided to put it on my album and just, you know, revive it and make it like my, my own, and uh, which, I, which I did. But I think that a lot of people that hear it think it's like the standout track on the record. You know, not that they don't all stand out, but I mean, that one in particular, because it's new and because it's got a particular vibe and it rocks, I think that, you know, they just like, it just stands out to them, so... Well, although something that's fascinating that I that I just found out about you recently is that uh, you are I mean, I don't even know if there's a if there's a proper adjective for this for your for your um, you know, your love of comic books. You're an avid comic book collector, have been since you were a kid. I you know, someone uh, Jody, I'm a wonderful publicist who we work with on it all the time, told told me that you had something like seventy five thousand comic books in your house. Is that is that number uh, yeah, accurate? I, I <laughs> I was I, I've been collecting comics since I was a kid, and uh, I have some ten cent comics. I have like you know early 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 X Men from two to thirty five. Like I mean the original ones, and I have just like I have a shed, uh, and, and not a shed, but I have a little uh, enclosure. It's like a little small building uh, that I have behind my house that houses all my comics, and there's about seventy five thousand at least in there. But you know it's like. I stopped buying them when they became like ridiculous. I mean, you know, once you know, I, I, when I, I when they got to like one fifty or one seventy five an issue, I sort of stopped because I figured, you know, how can a regular person do that? Nowadays, I look at the price of comics, and there's seven, eight dollars per comic. Yeah, and it's like the art. It's not like the artwork that we had when we were young, like with Jack Kirby. It's like all convoluted. It's just too too hard on the eyes. I don't know. You have to like. I don't. I don't get the new comics. I mean, you know. And uh, but they've made quite a comeback. I mean, I'm sure that if I, I'm sure I've got treasures in there, especially with all the new uh, Marvel universe that's coming out and, and stuff like that. I mean, um, yeah, I collect comics. I mean, I, I'm a collector. I collect anything. Bobbles, bangles. Uh, I just love, love to collect things. You know. That's that's wonderful. I'm all about it. Uh... Although I tell you, as as we wrap things up here, man, I tell you, I, I just um, can't thank you enough for for your time. It's so great to to have you back, and guys, again, October nineteenth. That's going to come out through Megaforce Records. That's a two featuring um, seven of your hits, although re recordings and, and the new song "I'm a Survivor." And it's just so wonderful to to have you back. This is just you know an interview I thought I'd never I'd never be able to to, to get, and I'm this is huge for me. Can't wait to see the see you live. If we get you to Kansas City, man, we're gonna have to wait till next summer or something because I don't I don't want you here coming up. It's gonna be you know we have brutal winters. We got to get this thing on track this spring or summer if we if we get this tour rolled out, man. We <laughs> we really hope to see you live. We got to make this happen. Okay, Clint. Aldo, can't thank you enough, my friend. Good luck with everything. We'll be uh, we'll definitely be excited to get the album. You bet. Thank you so much. What a pleasure it was as we wrap things up. With Aldo Nova, first album in 30 years coming up, 2.0, October 19th, look for it, guys. Uh, This is a guy that's been around and done so many things in the background of the music industry. He was a guy that feels like he probably lost control of his career early on because of the pressure from the record company on his third album, Twitch. It's completely understandable. He wants to have control of his music, and now he does, releasing this album. um, It's it's just, I'm so happy for him. I'm so glad to have him back. Hope to see him on this tour coming up whenever uh, when he does play live. Can't wait for that. Guys, the Music Mania podcast rolls along. This is what we do year-round. 
Granted, things are uh, a bit crazy for me right now as I'm out filming an SEC football documentary uh, called Saturday Supremacy, out there on the road going to a different SEC football game a week, exploring the culture, talking with the fans, doing interviews. It's been crazy. It's been life-changing. It's been a dream for me. But my heart always lies here on the Music Mania podcast, and I will do it as long as you guys still listen, still want to hear these interviews, uh, because I know I sure do. So thank you so much for joining me, guys. Uh, nothing but good things ahead as we hit the fall of 2018, transitioning uh, into a different time of year, Halloween, uh, football, hoodies, bonfires. It's my favorite time of year, guys, so hope everything's going great for everyone. Be sure to keep track of us on our website, musicmaniapodcast.com. We will join you guys here for a show coming up soon. Details to follow. Super.